Hey man, got a quick question for you. What would you do with an extra hundred thousand dollars? No, you don't have to go embarrass yourself on TV at a wrestling camp. No, you don't have to win any challenges out in the desert. All you've got to do is go to savewithconrad.com. You may not realize it, but there has been six figures of savings hiding in your own house. No, it's not in your junk drawer. It's not in your attic. It's not in your basement. It's in your mortgage. You're overpaying your single biggest bill and you may not even realize it. Here's a quick test for me. Do me a favor. Take your monthly payment and multiply it by 360. That big, scary number you're looking at, that's what you're really paying for your house. That's what we call the total of payments. When you add up all 30 years of your existing mortgage, that big, scary number is what you're actually paying. And when you see that, you'll realize, uh, Houston, we have a problem. But don't worry. If you got a problem, yo, I'll solve it. Check out SaveWithConrad.com while Dave Silver revolves it. Okay, that was corny. But the point is, I can get you out of debt faster and do it with cheaper monthly payments. If you're in a 30-year loan right now, it's not a matter of if we can save you money. It's a matter of how much. I'm routinely helping people get interest rates in the twos and cut years. You hear me? I said years of unnecessary house payments off of their loan. And here's my question. If you can keep paying roughly the same monthly payment, but pay your house off years faster, why wouldn't you do that? Keep more of your own money. And really think about what it takes to save $100,000. Now, if you don't do this, you're going to work for that money, pay taxes on it, and then just give it away. Why would you do that? Set yourself up for real financial peace, for real financial freedom, and get rid of your single biggest bill, your mortgage. By the way, we're routinely helping our listeners get rid of all their credit card debt. And I'm talking about mean, nasty, ugly credit card debt. That's 18, 19, 20, 21% interest. If you've made a minimum payment on your credit cards this year, you owe it to yourself to run the numbers right now at savewithconrad.com. I'm routinely helping people pay their house off faster by getting rid of their other consumer debt, like car loans and credit card debt. They're saving five, six, seven, even 800 bucks a month. Oh yeah, still going from a 30-year loan to a 15-year loan. Now you don't need perfect credit to do this. You don't need money out of your pocket to do this, but you do need to spend 10 minutes right now. Just let us run the numbers for free at savewithconrad.com. It's no cost, no obligation. And if we can't help you out, we won't waste your time. We've recently been able to approve credit scores in the 500s. And oh yeah, you even get to skip your next two house payments. So why wouldn't you do this? It's a no-brainer. It's SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Did I mention we're licensed in 40 states? Yes, that probably includes your state too. Check it out right now at SaveWithConrad.com. There's no better time to say I love you and the most hated jeweler in America is at it again. You've heard us say, I hate stevensinger.com and you've heard us rave about his famous roses, but Steven Singer has been selling diamonds and bridal jewelry for four decades. Whether you have someone or something to celebrate, Steven is there for you. Ready to take the next step. Steven has a ready for love engagement ring collection. That is no hassle, no risk, expertly picked engagement rings that are ready to go. Don't worry. Steven won't let you mess this up. He's been selling online for over two decades, but he's recently kicked everything up a notch to better service friends and guests online. He has real expert jewelers on call to help you find the perfect ring or gift through new virtual video appointments, calls, texts, chats, or emails, all with extended hours. On top of that, he offers the best guarantee in the business with a full 100-day, 100% money-back guarantee and free shipping. 
Interest-free financing is available online too. And that's just the beginning. Gifts that say I love you every single day, backed with decades of experience in the comfort of your own home. It's easy. Just go to IHateStevenSinger.com. Fast, free, and safe shipping. Steven Singer Jewelers. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. Hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Arn. And of course, we couldn't be here without the master of ceremonies, the founder of the Four Horsemen, the Hall of Famer himself, the enforcer, Double A, Arn Anderson. Arn, how are you, man? All healthy. Everybody's good. Hope everybody's good at your place and everybody that's out there listening. Man, we're having a blast here in Huntsville. We hope you guys are digging what we're doing. We are so excited to be back with you. Of course, today's topic is all about SummerSlam 2015. I can't believe it, man. Here we are. And, uh, as we're doing this, I guess, uh, this past Sunday was the five-year anniversary of SummerSlam 2015. This was like yesterday to me. This was the 28th SummerSlam and the first one that was held, well, somewhere beside Staples Center since 2009. It's the eighth SummerSlam that's went down in New York. And I think this is the first SummerSlam that's like four hours long. Usually we'd only seen WrestleManias go that amount of time. Do you think four hours is too long for a wrestling pay-per-view? Absolutely. By about an hour. <laughs> I'm with you. I think three hours is, is the right way. And recently we've even seen WWE start to run shorter pay-per-views uh during the pandemic era i guess with the absence of fans maybe that makes it a little easier or maybe because they can pre-tape some stuff i don't know but they have started to run a little shorter but that was not the case four years ago four hours and of course the wwe has decided to make a whole weekend of it here at barclays center where we were going to have nxt the prior night so saturday night was a takeover and then sunday of course was SummerSlam, and then they did raw the very next day also at Barclays and, uh, Meltzer would say for the first time in us history, a company sold out an NBA sized arena, three straight nights. They would announce 15,589 fans for NXT, 15,702 fans for SummerSlam and 15,597 fans for raw. This is happening when people are starting to say, oh, the business is down, but goodness gracious, selling out Barclays back to back to back. That's a feather in the old cap, is it not? Well, there's several ways you can look at it. And the only real way to look at it is in that metropolitan New York area. And I'm talking about all the boroughs and all the places that are on the fringe, the Newark, New Jersey's and just pure population. That's what sold those houses three in a row. There's just so many people there. Uh, my God, I mean, it's like if you if you did the totals, how many tens of millions of people do you have in that metropolitan area? And, you know, it, it's a hot product. I would suggest that SummerSlam is right behind Mania and the Royal Rumble. It's probably third. Sound right? Yeah. As far as strength of pay-per-view and the ramifications and those matters, so 
but to sell out three times in a row, it's a, it's a hell of accomplishment. It is indeed. Let's talk about some news and notes as we head into the show. Unfortunately, on July 30th, we would lose Rowdy Roddy Piper. He passed away in his sleep from a heart attack. I mean, this is a guy who has gone way, way too soon. Do you have any favorite Roddy Piper stories you could share with us? As a fan, the biggest thing I remember, which is really crazy, but it's one of those things that sticks with you, is when Piper was on Atlanta TV and he was a commentator beside Gordon Soley and Buzz Sawyer and whoever else was involved with it, I think probably Ole, when they turned Piper babyface for one of the heels insulting Gordon Soley. And Piper was so good and so believable and so credible when he made that turn you immediately got in his hip pocket and got behind him as a fan. And it, to me, it, it just, it just, everything became crystal clear to me as a wrestling fan at that time. It was like, okay, I had my favorites, Dick Slater and Bob Orton, but this thing going down with Piper actually protecting Gordon Soley, who was the voice of the, of the product at that time and was a pure baby face. It just felt like the right thing to do. And it was something that just got you involved in the show in a different level. One of the all time best, man. Let's, um, let's also mention the beginning of the month had a little bit of a, a Hulk Hogan controversy when a, a videotaped leak. And it felt like it was all bad news there for a little bit for Hulk Hogan. Ultimately, he's going to wind up leaving the hall of fame and, uh, having his, his contract nullified or whatever it was, the WWE is going to sever ties with Hulk Hogan. That's something I never thought I would say out loud, but it happened. Were you surprised to hear that there was going to be some sort of falling out with Hulk and the company? Yeah, to that magnitude. Jerking a guy out of the Hall of Fame is pretty stout. Um, you know, just the whole story of what caused it and what was involved and the quotes and all those things. And my God, it just felt like there was such a huge meltdown within his family and with within himself. And it uh, it was one of those things that just felt just left a bad taste in your mouth for everybody involved. Yeah. Listen, it's, uh, it's going to be a big source of controversy as we know, and I'm sure we'll, we'll have more to talk about it another time, but it's just crazy to think that that was five years ago. Cause Lord, it feels like a long time ago. Uh, Daniel Bryan, feels, go ahead. Feels like, you know, it feels like it was a lot longer for some reason. Yeah, I don't, maybe it's because we're in the damn pandemic and Tiger King feels like it happened four years ago. Uh, I, I don't know, but when I saw that was five years ago, I'm like, that feels like that was 10 years ago, not five years ago. Well, I'm glad somebody else feels that way because it does. It feels like eternity. Uh, Daniel Bryan puts out a new book uh, in this era as well. And in it, he admits publicly for the first time that his time off was not related to his neck, but it was a concussion issue. And Meltzer had heard for whatever reason, the company wanted that kept quiet, but he would write, well, it's not a neck issue. My, my neck is completely fine. It's more of a concussion issue. And Bree was very hesitant about this whole thing. And 
that's why WWE is very protective over me too. Everyone is more aware of concussions, and that's why with WWE, I see what they're doing as far as making me go through all these hurdles. I don't see that as a negative. They're protecting me, especially in this era of concussion awareness. Arn, this is a great thing for the business, but this is totally different from when you were coming up. I mean, back in the day, guys would say things like, oh, he just got his bell rung or walk it off. I mean, even in football, they would just say, oh, he got the wind knocked out of him and he'll be out of play and he'll be right back. And I'm not saying that was wrong at the time. We just didn't know what we didn't know, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I'm very thankful the CTE, you know, thing popped up and it was put everything under the spotlight where concussions were. Because like you said, back in, in the day when when territories were individually owned and you had however many around the, the country, but they were individually owned. You didn't have doctors in the lo- in the locker room. You didn't have trainers in the locker room. You didn't have guys providing tape for you or, or uh, wrapping knees or any of that. It was just the boys and the referees and the announcer, and that was it. And you were on the road together, and the boys would adjust each other like – you know, makeshift chiropractors, they would tape each other's knees for each other, ankles, you know, but to suddenly have, you know, a medical staff there that was treating issues right on the spot and taking care. And if you got your bell rung, like we said, then you were off until they could determine just how bad it was. And I was glad for one to see the guys being taken care of and worrying about going forward after an injury. This is also for the first time uh, we see the ESPN WWE relationship. Uh, SummerSlam gets a ton of coverage on ESPN. Were you surprised to see that? I mean, you've been a sports fan your whole life. The idea that WWE is covered on ESPN had to be pretty cool for a sports guy like me and you, right? Oh, I was thrilled. We were finally being accepted as legitimate athletes. You know, and forget about, you know, the uh, predetermined match results and all that. It told me that ESPN looked at us as being world-class athletes. And it was nice to be recognized that way and to be respected. And I'm sure it made a huge difference in the butts in the seats for those three days. There's one thing you know about Arn Anderson is that he is an ass kicker from way back. He's ready to fight at the drop of a hat. He doesn't wear white hats, etc., etc. But the people who know Marty Lundy know that one of the biggest parts of his life is getting a good workout in. But that's been increasingly difficult this year. And if you're looking for a workout that keeps you engaged, learning, excited, and motivated, a workout that's never boring and always challenging, you've got to check out Fight Camp. Fight Camp brings the boxing gym to your living room. They provide you with all the gear and the top trainers, everything you need to get great workouts in. The boxing workout has always been ranked as one of the best ways to get in shape, and honestly, it's one of the most fun ways to combine cardio and strength training. And Fight Camp brings that boxing gym to you with a mix of cardio and conditioning for a full-body workout. It comes with all the gear you need. We're talking the best freestanding punching bag on the market, great boxing gloves, quick hand wraps, and their unique punch tracking sensors that show you real-time progress and stats on any iOS device. We should also mention that you can try Fight Camp workouts for free. 
Just download the Fight Camp app and select the workout of your choice. This is a great way to test your trainer. Speaking of trainers, you can learn from six highly qualified trainers, ranging from a professional MMA fighter and a mother of two to a boxing world champion. Now, if you're new to boxing, their 12 week starter program teaches you the fundamentals of boxing while you still get a great workout every single time. You even have access to more than 400 different workouts for all levels of fitness and skills. There's four new ones added every week, but check this out. Fight camp offers flexible financing for as low as 0% APR. And right now is a limited time offer. You can try fight camp for 30 days with their money back guarantee. Just go to joinfightcamp.com slash ARN. That's right. Try fight camp for 30 days. And if you don't love it, they'll refund your money. Train like a fighter and turn your sweat into results. To try fight camp for 30 days. Just go to joinfightcamp.com slash ARN. That's joinfightcamp.com slash ARN. And we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. Yeah, pretty remarkable. Let's uh, let's talk about SummerSlam. John Stewart and Mick Foley are going to open up the show together. Uh, Stewart's going to want Foley as his backup because he says he's going to confront Brock Lesnar because he's mad that he broke the Undertaker streak. And Foley said he wouldn't have come here if he thought he was supposed to be John Stewart's backup because he too was afraid of Brock Lesnar. And then of course, Stewart pushes. I thought you were fearless. I saw you fall off the big cage, blah, blah, blah. Were you a fan of involving celebrities as sort of like hosts of shows like John Stewart here? Well, John Stewart, I was because he was so respectful and knowledgeable of our business backstage. I mean, for him to know who I was told me he had been a wrestling fan for a long time and to be respectful and come up and, uh, address you and shake your hand and tell you how happy he was to be there. Those kind of guys. Uh, yes, I was, I was very happy that they were a part of our product because, you know, they knew that they were there to add to the show. They weren't the star of the show. And John Stewart was one of those guys, very humble, very respectful, and, uh, you know, just a good guy. Next up, we've got Randy Orton versus Sheamus. Let's sort of set the stage for you. At Battleground, Randy Orton defeated Sheamus. And on the July 20th Raw, Orton, John Cena, and Cesaro would pick up wins over Sheamus, Kevin Owens, and Rusev. On the July 27th Raw, Sheamus would attack Orton during his match with Kevin Owens. On the August 3rd Raw, Orton, Dean Ambrose, and Roman Reigns would beat Sheamus, Bray Wyatt, and Luke Harper. And a week later, on the 10th, we would see Orton defeat the world champ Seth Rollins by DQ because he was attacked by Sheamus, therefore not winning the championship. Sheamus then attempts to cash in his money in the bank contract, but he stopped by Orton, and now we're here. They get plenty of time, 12 minutes and 13 seconds. Uh, Sheamus is going to get the win here. He's going to start out by yelling at the crowd for chanting, you look stupid. He's sporting an interesting haircut and Fu Manchu here. Sheamus gets a near fall with a knee drop off the top rope and Meltzer would describe it as a slow, deliberate match. He says there's nothing wrong with it, but it was clearly a couple of notches down from their match last month. And, um, in the end, you know, what's coming. It's a missed RKO. Sheamus hits two bro kicks and pins him clean in the middle. Meltzer says, considering Orton had just beat Kevin Owens and Cesaro at the same time, had ch had the champ Seth Rollins beaten a title match and then beat Sheamus the next night on Raw, this finish made less than zero sense. 
except they don't know how to build momentum and only know how to play your turn booking. So pretty critical of the decision here to not just keep the momentum with Randy Orton. And I think we've heard a lot of people over the years, more recent years, say the WWE is too reliant on what they're calling 50-50 booking. So you win, I win, I win, you win. Do you think that's a fair criticism? And, and, and what do you think of this match here with Sheamus and Randy Orton? Did the wrong guy win? Well, you bet your ass. It was, I was one of the proponents of the, probably the first one to say in this 50-50, and I'm talking way back when, you know, one for me and one for you, nobody gets over, you know, this is my analogy. The first time I used it and, uh, I said, you know, here's where we're getting Vince. We're getting to the point where all the talent are eight and eight. Now, if you put that in football jargon, you're going to get behind a team that's eight and eight. Nobody gives a shit about the guy that's eight and eight. Right. The one, the one that's 12 and oh is the one that I'm either going to love to see get beat or be 13 and oh. But when everyone's eight and eight, they all mean the same, which means they mean nothing. And I couldn't get that. That was exactly how I proposed it and laid it out and presented it. And it was met with less than favorable response. Um, but this was one of those deals. If you look at it and sometimes you can skip ahead till today and, and then go back and see the finishes that occurred back then and, and go, okay, well, who's the hottest hill in the country right now in the business for that matter. I mean, Randy Orton, right? Yeah. When you, when you say, yeah, Certainly, certainly the hottest heel in their company. So you should have went back to that particular point in time and you should have probably had Randy building momentum period. He should have went over in that match. I agree. Next up is a four-way match for the tag team titles at battleground. The primetime players defeated new day to retain the tag team straps on the 20th. We would see Los Matadores defeat the primetime players after distraction by new day. On the 27th, the Lucha Dragons would beat Los Matadores. On the 30th, on SmackDown, the Lucha Dragons and Los Matadores would beat New Day and the Ascension. On the August 3rd Raw, New Day and the Ascension would defeat Lucha Dragons and Los Matadores in a rematch. On the August 6th SmackDown, the primetime players and Mark Henry would beat New Day. And then on August 10th, New Day would defeat Los Matadores, which led everyone to this match. It's New Day. Primetime players, Los Matadores and Lucha Dragons. They get 11 minutes and 21 seconds. New Day win here in a four-way. And they are over like Rover with the crowd chanting New Day rocks. Uh, Meltzer would say Xavier Woods in particular has a hell of a voice. It was Big E and Kofi Kingston as the team with Woods as their manager. Uh, Meltzer called it sloppy early but says it turned into a good match. Eventually, we would see Darren Young bleeding from the mouth. The finish would see the Lucha Dragons go for a double suplex on Fernando, but O'Neal gets underneath, gives them all a powerbomb out of the corner, and he uses the clash of Titus on Fernando, but Kingston knocks O'Neal out of the ring and steals the pin three and a quarter stars. And I think this is the first time the tag straps changed hands at SummerSlam since like 2001 when Undertaker and Kane beat DDP and Chris Canyon in a steel cage match. So it's a big deal to see a title switch like this. Uh, at SummerSlam, but it's a four-way. A lot of guys working hard. What do you think of this one? I think the right guys won. 
I think it's always good to have a title switch on a big show. And I think the New Day were just coming into their own to where the audience had decided how they felt about them. And they were getting ready to really, really uh, explode onto the scene. So the, all the right things were done during this match, I think. And uh, glad to see New Day have a launching pad and, you know, look where they are today. And they have really did a good job of getting over and staying over. Yeah, it's uh, it's remarkable the rise they've been on, and I think it was recently revealed. I think Big E said that back in these days they had like a a formula that they would do where they rotated who the tag partners were, uh, and then Kofi, being the uh, elder statesman who had had a singles run before these guys really got on the rise together, uh, sort of changed that momentum a little bit uh, to allow you know Xavier Woods to have one of his big moments. It's, it's rare that you see a trio like this stick together that A, are that over, and B, that long. Are you surprised New Day's still together after all this time? Yeah, and there's only been two group, groups to pull it off. It was those guys and Freebirds. If you think about it, there was no trio that you could face any two of the three other in these two situations. Correct? No, I'm not arguing that at all. I totally agree. No, I mean, I'm just questioning because sometimes things slip my mind and there was a, you know, a short time where somebody was under these same rules, but we called it free bird rules and, and they brought it back and it worked for them. And, you know, it was, uh, it allowed all three guys to shine, which they did. Next up, we've got, uh, Dolph Ziggler working with Rusev. They only get two and a half stars here. It's a double count out and, uh, 11 minutes, 50 seconds. Meltzer says match was okay. Lana is out of business suits and into a jean dress and jean top style. A lot of good moves here. Rusev showed great agility with a spin kick. Um, either way you get the idea. Ziggler is going to super kick Rusev outside of the ring over the announcer's table, but Ziggler was still hurt from the accolade and neither could beat the 10 count in the ring. And the crowd starts booing that loudly. Ziggler's beating on Rusev after the match, but Summer is going to attack Ziggler. Then Lana attacks Summer, and uh, Rusev and Ziggler pull them apart. Two and a half stars. You know, you got two big-time talents here. You know, Dolph had one of the biggest receptions ever the night after WrestleMania several years ago when he cashed in and won the world title. I mean, just a deafening pop. Stone Cold Steve Austin-level stuff. And Rusev was so hot, he rode a fucking tank to the ring to take on John Cena. And a double count out here at a big pay-per-view, I don't know, man. It feels like a missed opportunity. What say you? Back to eight and eight. Yeah. Who cares? Double count out on that match. You should have had a finish. That's it. Which guy are you going with? Figure it out. Should have a finish on that match. To not have a to have a double count now is just as flat as it can possibly be. And when it's all said and done, who got over? Answer is nobody. Right. Let me ask. It does feel like after you know we know that when Dolph won that world title after WrestleMania years ago, I think it was 2013. I may have that wrong. But he had the big cash in, the big moment. He's the world champ. Not too long after he has a concussion situation and they have to make a pivot and do something else. 
it doesn't feel like he's got whatever momentum he had to become the world champion since, but it does feel like he's the fail safe. Hey, we're not sure what to do with this guy. I'll put him with Ziggler. Do you think Ziggler has become like a crutch for WWE booking or maybe Vince McMahon? Like, Hey, well, we're not sure who we can count on. We can count on Ziggler, but we can't count on to be the top guy. Do you think that's the way they view him? Because it doesn't feel like he's been given that same opportunity really since then. Well, I don't think they would admit that, but in the back of their mind, they probably believe that, you know, you can, he has fell into that terrible, terrible void of man. He's a hell of a hand, right? which in our business is a compliment to the boys, to each other, when they say it about each other, but when the office says it, it's the kiss of death, which means your job is, is a star maker. You're not a star. And there's a, you know, Dahl Ziegler could have a job for the next 15 years, probably if he wanted it, because he is that good and he knows his job and he can go out and have a great match with anybody. But the fact of the matter is, it was up until the time he won the world title. And after that, he was just hell of a hand. And that's a, that's bad deal to come from the office to you. When you hear that plan on being the first match after intermission. Now, if you really are a hell of a hand, you'll be there as long as you want to be, but that's what that is. And that's where Adolph is positioned. It's a damn shame because man, he's really, really good. He is. I mean, he's like this generation's Mr. Perfect. And for whatever reason, I don't know. There's no better time to say I love you. And the most hated jeweler in America is at it again. You've heard us say I hate stevensinger.com and you've heard us rave about his famous roses. But Steven Singer has been selling diamonds and bridal jewelry for four decades. Whether you have someone or something to celebrate, Steven is there for you. Ready to take the next step? Steven has a ready for love engagement ring collection that is no hassle, no risk, expertly picked engagement rings that are ready to go. Don't worry, Steven won't let you mess this up. He's been selling online for over two decades, but he's recently kicked everything up a notch to better service friends and guests online. He has real expert jewelers on call to help you find the perfect ring or gift through new virtual video appointments, calls, texts, chats, or emails, all with extended hours. On top of that, he offers the best guarantee in the business with a full 100 day, 100% money back guarantee and free shipping. Interest-free financing is available online too. And that's just the beginning. Gifts that say, I love you every single day, backed with decades of experience in the comfort of your own home. It's easy. Just go to IHateStevenSinger.com. Fast, free, and safe shipping. Steven Singer Jewelers. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. Let's talk about Rusev for a minute. He's started to make some news. Of course, he was part of the, uh, the big round of cuts that happened right around the start of the pandemic. He's no longer with the company, and uh, his wife is still there. But it is sort of interesting to see that he's seemingly comfortable just being on the sidelines, doing his gaming online with Twitch and things like that. And I think a lot of fans who have tried to pepper him with wrestling questions, he usually comes back with some sort of, no, I'm done with wrestling. And, you know, who knows? Never say never with wrestling. And we don't want to spoil any surprises if there are any. Not that I have any inside information. But you'd like to think a guy like that is not really going to walk away from wrestling. But he has sort of, uh, he's felt a little more comfortable sharing 
a little bit about his WWE experience, one of which was the success of the Rusev Day shirt, where he went out there and sort of got himself over without there being a, a, a planned quote-unquote push. And that shirt sold so quickly that they sold out. And he told the story when he brought that to Vince's attention, saying, hey, man, I'm selling more shirts than Cena or Roman or anybody, um, sort of insinuating we should do something with this. Apparently, Vince allegedly said, well, maybe they didn't print enough shirts. I don't know. I was a little thrown off by that response. Do you think Rusev was doomed from the start? I mean, what, why don't you think they did more with him when it felt like the fans were with him? This was like the same story as Dolph Ziggler where, you know, the fans have this crazy pop for Dolph when he wins the world title. And Rusev is so damned entertaining once we got to see his real personality and he was no longer just the Bulgarian brute. They just clamored for the shirts and sold out everywhere and then nothing. Well, I didn't particularly want Rusev to turn babyface myself, but the fans, when they call for it, jump on it. And don't wait three weeks. Don't wait two weeks. Don't wait a month. If they suddenly are clamoring for a particular talent for whatever reason, even if it was something that just happened last week that made them think completely different about the talent. And so this week, just seemingly out of nowhere, they start cheering for a guy. I say put the flames to it, put the pedal down, and go with it. Don't wait until it cools off again and then wonder why it didn't get over. And uh, that's what I saw happening. And, uh, you know, it was one of those things that uh, Rusev Day got over, but it just kind of sat there in neutral for so long that it just just kind of teetered out. Best word I could say. Yeah, you, you need when you get a guy like that who the, the fans suddenly get behind, the office should get behind him too. Next up, we've got uh, Stardust teaming with King Barrett to take on Stephen Amell and Neville. On the May 25th Raw, Stardust would confront special guest uh, Stephen Amell while losing to Neville. On the July 13th Raw, Stardust would defeat Neville. On the August 13th Raw, it's uh, again Amell. Is here as a special guest. Uh, Neville beats King Barrett, but then he's attacked by Stardust. Stardust then beats up Steven, who enters the ring and attacks him. And then Amel and Neville ask Triple H to make a tag match at SummerSlam with Amel and Neville facing Stardust and Barrett. And here we are. So Stephen Amel, if you're not familiar, he was the star of the show Arrow on uh, CW. And uh, comic book fans probably remember the Green Arrow. Well, here we are. We've got a real-life comic book character teaming with Neville to take on Stardust and King Barrett. They don't get a ton of time, 7 minutes and 34 seconds. Meltzer would say the crowd didn't really care for Amel, but for a guy who isn't a wrestler, he did really well. He sold like a green guy, but it wasn't embarrassing or anything. Neville got a hot tag and looked great. He did a middle rope Phoenix splash on both Stardust and Barrett. Amel then did a plancha off the top rope onto the floor onto both. The crowd had to respect him for that. And then Neville pinned Barrett with the red arrow, two and a quarter stars. It's fascinating to think about this match because zero people are still with the company. Of course, Stardust is now 
your man Cody Rhodes in AEW, the TNT champ. Uh, King Barrett, we've seen a little bit here and there for the NWA. Uh, Stephen Amell, we saw pop up at All In a few years after this in Chicago, taking on Christopher Daniels. And, of course, Neville, we know, is now basically a gargoyle. Uh, what a performer he has been for AEW. I mean, really, a special performer. Two and a quarter stars here. What do you think of this? This is the proper use of a celebrity, right? You put him in a tag match, you, you get one big spot. I thought this was well done and probably beat every expectation. Would you agree? Yep, and I'll tell you a little history. is uh, Prior to this match happening, I got word uh, I needed to be in a live event really early because Stephen Amell was going to be there. He was out on the coast doing a movie, and we were going to get him in the ring and just see what what he had just one afternoon before a live event and uh he showed up we got him in the ring you know there were some things that that he had just kind of thought he knew because he had seen it on tv and he half-assed did know so he didn't just walk in there never watching the show or the product or anything else and the guy was very athletic and damn i tell you i was shocked he did a few things that afternoon that just picked it up right away. Basic stuff. I couldn't tell you exactly what it was, but it was just stuff that right away he had it. And I knew, hey, he wasn't going to embarrass himself. He wasn't going to embarrass us. And uh, when, this is one of those rare times that you get a guy that steps into our world. And you don't try to do too much. You just do what he's comfortable doing, and he gives a good showing for himself. And the audience, you know, paid him back by – by not eating him alive, by actually uh, showing him some respect. So it was a pretty good feel-good night, I think. Not only was it feel-good, we should mention that uh, with the help of uh, Cody, him and Steven made up a custom T-shirt design that hyped up this match. Amel is going to sell the shirts for Emily's House, which is a children's hospice care in Canada. In all, more than 10,000 shirts were sold, raising just under $300,000 for that hospice program. And a few weeks after SummerSlam, Stephen Amell and Cody Rhodes in his full Stardust attire would present the check to Emily's house in person. I mean, dude, that's what wrestling's all about, is it not? Yeah, it is. Giving back and and doing good things for the community, that makes you feel better than anything else. It really does. Next up, we've got a match for uh, the Intercontinental title, and it's a three-way with Ryback defending against Big Show and Miz. As a reminder, Ryback won the Intercontinental title and Elimination Chamber match. On June 1st, Ryback was scheduled to make his first title defense against Miz, but Big Show attacked Miz, which prevented the match from happening, and he confronted Ryback. At Money in the Bank, Big Show would defeat Ryback by DQ after Miz attacked him, so of course Ryback retains. And then at the Battleground pay-per-view, Ryback is scheduled to defend the title against Big Show and Miz in a triple threat. But after Ryback was injured, the match was postponed and rescheduled for SummerSlam. And here we are. It's an intercontinental title match at SummerSlam that goes five minutes and 22 seconds. Meltzer says they went at a real fast pace since they were going short, going with near falls very quickly. Ryback hit a spine buster on show, ducking a knockout punch. Miz then used the skull crushing finale on Ryback, but he kicked out. Miz tried to pin both guys over and over, but everyone kicked out, and that was a good spot. Show then hit Ryback with a knockout punch, but Miz made the save. 
Miz tried to go for the pin, but Ryback kicked out and then show knocked out Miz, but Ryback clothesline show over the top, which was anything but smooth. And then Ryback pins Miz to retain two stars. I liked Ryback in this era. I liked Miz and big show in this era, but five minutes and 22 seconds is not a lot of time. But I guess with, you know, two big giants like Ryback and big show, maybe it made sense. what do you think? Well, hearing it back, the fact that that show took a, I believe a spine buster and he got clotheslined over the top. I mean, what's a giant doing going over the top? So even if it wasn't perfectly smooth, it was something that you go, wow. Yeah. That was impressive. So if you pick apart the match, there were some pieces that made sense. You know, the Miz trying to, to steal the covers, I'm sure got some heat. For the five minutes it was, that's just one long high spot, really. You're not going to do a lot of storytelling, but if it would have settled down, I don't think that would have been better. Maybe it was good they just ran through what they had and keep it, you know, keep it physical and exciting and uh, and get it over with. The next match is Roman Reigns and Dean Ambrose taking on Bray Wyatt and Luke Harper. As a reminder... At Money in the Bank, Bray Wyatt attacked Roman Reigns during the Money in the Bank ladder match, which prevented him from winning the match. At Battleground, Wyatt would defeat Reigns after Harper interfered and attacked Reigns, reuniting the Wyatt family. On the July 20th Raw, Dean Ambrose would uh, manage Reigns as he defeated Harper by DQ. On August 6th on SmackDown, we would see Reigns challenge Wyatt to a tag team match at SummerSlam with Reigns and Ambrose facing Wyatt and Harper, which, of course, Wyatt accepts. And here we are. Uh, they get 10 minutes and 56 seconds. Roman and Dean pick up the win. Meltzer dug it. He said it was all action and a really good match. Uh, fans were uh, really behind this one. Uh, three and a half stars. The crowd is cheering Ambrose and booing Reigns throughout the match. This is just hard to put your finger on that for whatever reason, the fans can love one guy and hate the other. What'd you think? Well, most of it is because it was chic to boo Roman. Right. And everybody just wanted to join in and be part of the majority. Uh, I've seen that in live events where it started that way, and by the end of the night it was 100% cheering Roman. Any combination of the Shield and the Wyatts was just a great match. And those guys just literally pounded the piss out of each other and it was solid and believable and the work rate was just up. And, uh, this was just another one of those matches. They just, their chemistry was just incredible. And, you know, it didn't, it didn't matter so much who was booing who and who was screaming for who I've never worried about that very much. If they if the audience is screaming, I don't really care as long as it's loud and sustained. I don't care who they're, who they're screaming for or what they're screaming. It's when they get quiet that I get nervous. Let's talk about the original creative. Allegedly, it was written that uh, the original idea was for Sting to be a mystery partner, like the third guy for Dean Ambrose and Roman Reigns. So it would be Ambrose and Reigns with a mystery partner taking on Bray Wyatt, Luke Harper, and Eric Rowan as they reformed the Wyatt family. But I think Rowan suffered uh, torn biceps in like late June, so that all had to be changed. 
And maybe one of the ideas was Braun Strowman would be the third Wyatt family member, but the decision was made to hold off on that until after the show. Did you ever hear there was maybe creative where Sting would be teaming with Dean and Roman? No, that would have been a closed door meeting. Probably not the best way to feature Sting coming back, I wouldn't think. Yeah, I mean, at this point, yeah, it's not exactly. He's just just one of three guys. He's not featured. Right. To me, that seems like if it was considered, it would just be foolish because you can't have those guys in the match and pattern the whole match to where you feature the guy that you've been waiting to see for 15 years, right? Well, he had already been back by that point. So, I mean, he had returned, I guess, uh, late. Oh, this was after. Yeah. Yeah. He came back at survivor series 2014, but this would have been another chance to use him, but still it does feel weird. I think most people, when you say, Hey, it's two thirds of the shield. I think the insinuation would be, Oh, well maybe they're putting the shield back and Seth's going to pull double duty. Uh, but we know that's not the case. Well, boy, do I feel stupid. Um, oh, it, so he had, he had already had his return at mania. And that's right. Hunter had already beat him yep. and diminished his value greatly. <laughs> yeah. We, we've already talked about that. And the announcers have buried him about being a, you know, small fish in a big pond. Right. Okay. Okay. Well, yeah, still, I don't think that would have been a feature role for him to come back and just been the third guy as a, as a surprise. Everyone knows the risks of driving drunk. You could get in a crash. People could get hurt or killed, but let's take a moment to look at some surprising statistics. Almost 29 people in the United States die every day in alcohol impaired vehicle crashes. That's one person every 50 minutes, even though drunk driving fatalities have fallen by a third in the last three decades. Drunk driving crashes still claim more than 10,000 lives each year. Drunk driving can have a big impact on your wallet too. You could get arrested and incur huge legal expenses. You could possibly even lose your job. So what can you do to prevent drunk driving? Plan a safe ride home before you start drinking and designate a sober driver or call a taxi. If you know someone who's been drinking, take their keys and arrange for them to get a sober ride home. We all know the consequences of driving drunk, but there's one thing for sure. You're wrong if you think it's no big deal. Drive sober or get pulled over. This message was brought to you today by NHTSA. Let's uh, let's keep it moving here. This is going to be a fun discussion for the next match. It's two of the all-time greats, Seth Rollins and John Cena. It's WWE champion versus United States champion. Here's how we got here. On the July 20th Raw... John Cena would challenge Seth Rollins for a title match, but Rollins refuses. A week later, Cena challenges him again, but the authority instead forces him to defend the U.S. title against Rollins. Cena beats Rollins, but suffers a broken nose for real during the match. And on the August 3rd Raw, Rollins would defeat Cena to a winner-takes-all match at SummerSlam, both for the WWE title and the U.S. title. On the August 11th Tough Enough, Cena would accept Rollins challenge. And here we are title versus title. Before we talk about the match, I do want to bring up Seth Rollins because it was around this time where he had a handful of matches where guys were getting hurt, whether it was Finn Balor with the power bomb into the barricade, John Cena's nose here and Bret Hart made a pretty adamant statement 
that Seth Rollins was unsafe. And a lot of guys came to his defense. And we know that eventually Seth is going to wrestle Sting and do a buckle bomb, and that's going to be it for Sting. He can't finish the match, and Sting's not going to wrestle again. Sting Sting has come out and said that Seth felt horrible about that and even acknowledged as they're pushing him into the ambulance that Seth yelled something like, I was you for Halloween. I mean, he was one of his favorites, so he would never intentionally hurt a guy. Do you think this is an unfair thing for, for fans or Bret Hart to say that, that Seth is dangerous? Is it just accidents happen? Or when you start to see a string of injuries like this as a professional wrestler yourself, do you start to think, ah, oh, shit, maybe there's smoke to that fire. Gosh, never being in the ring. The only way to really tell if a guy is, is unsafe or if he's a victim of circumstances or if it's just, God, it's just, you know, we've been snake bit is to be in the ring with him. It's the only way I could actually say to you, unless it's something obvious where you're German suplexing a guy and you're dropping him right on his head. You know, it's pretty obvious that's the wrong thing to be doing. But unless you've been in a ring with him, which I haven't, you can't say, okay, the guy's dangerous or reckless because that's a tag you don't want to pin on a guy. Was he a victim of circumstances and some things just occurred and they all occurred in a short amount of time seems more probable. Um, I know the jumping knee came right up the middle and it was one of those things that, that is, you know, I don't know if he said, watch the knee or if he didn't, you know, I don't know. I was, you know, I had that match and it was like he splattered his nose pretty good. And I'll credit to John being a tough bastard to just go ahead and finish the match. Um, I don't think if I was a betting man that Seth, because he's just, he's too good and he's too professional. I don't think he's reckless. I think it might've been just, just bad luck. Yeah, I tend to agree. You know, I, I don't, I don't know why Seth got that wrap so quickly. I mean, it does feel like if you're going to work a hard hitting physical style, uh, and you're going to do a bunch of matches occasionally things are going to happen, but the idea that he was reckless, I never really, I didn't get that vibe at all. And, and I don't think enough wrestlers came out and said anything to support that besides Bret Hart. And, and to your point, he was never in the ring with him either. So they steal the show here. Really? I mean, Seth Rollins and John Cena title for title, good 19 minutes and 24 seconds. The fans are going to boo Cena more than anyone on the show. Um, Meltzer says, so to this audience, Cena coming back from a broken nose and his 500th wish granted, which was played up earlier with a big video, wasn't going to stop them from booing him. The crowd was super hot cheering and chanting for Rollins. This is a remarkable match. They pull out all the big stops. I have a feeling you didn't absolutely love it because there are so many finishing maneuvers in it. But then John Stewart comes in with a chair, pauses for a while, and then hits Cena in the gut, then puts the chair on the ground, and Rollins gives, Rollins gives Cena a pedigree on the chair for the pin. And Rollins, uh, Meltzer would say, Rollins comes across here like he's the best wrestler in the world with his performance here. Fans were chanting, thank you, Stewart, for causing Cena to lose four and a half stars. I love the match. I hated the John Stewart thing. And the explanation we would get later was, he didn't want Cena breaking Ric Flair's record of world title reigns. 
What'd you think of the match? What'd you think of the finish? Uh, yeah, I don't, John Stewart being involved in the finish after those guys have went out and performed at the level that they had and worked as hard as they had worked to me seems mighty anticlimactic. Um, I don't know why you couldn't have after a match like that and the story that you have, why you couldn't have had just Seth go over. Right. Who do you hurt when, I, when you've got performers like that and they're two top guys and certainly as, as hard as John has been pushed over the years and the, the big wins that he's had, all that investment in John, it's not going to kill John Cena off to get beat by Seth Rollins. I'm sorry. It's just not. And if it did kill him off, it would have meant that he wasn't over anyway. One victory, if it kills you off, you you were just being propped up anyway. You weren't really over. So I think after all that, you could have had Seth go over um, and no one would have been damaged. Let me ask, do you think that creative feels the need to involve John Stewart because they do have a big celebrity like this? Do you think maybe Stewart says, hey, I want to do something, and they felt pressured to, uh, involve him somehow or is this just a scapegoat to uh we're gonna have seen a lose but wink wink not really uh i don't know conrad to be honest with you it's when they have those discussions i don't know if they just admit we want to get the star power out there to add to the match um you know, I don't know if, if that comes into the conversation or if somebody, if Cena needs an out or, or, but if they're clearly cheering Seth anyway and booing John anyway, I'm back to that reaction. You know, I don't care if they're screaming pro or con. If everybody is invested in that match and in the finish, at the end, you did the right thing. If people don't react, then there's a there's a reason, and there's probably a couple of reasons, and they're all bad. So I think you, you're looking at, do you walk away? And every single match that you have, somebody has to get over. That's the oldest rule of thumb. Somebody got to get over in that match. So you got to ask, who actually got over? Was it Seth? Was it? You know, the star that you have coming down on the end, was it a combination of two? I mean, who actually really got over during the deal? And if somebody got over, then it worked. I also want to ask, you know, this is title versus title. You know, you go back to WrestleMania six, where the intercontinental champion took on the world champion. Granted that was Hulk Hogan. That's the main event. It goes on last. Here we've got the title being defended sort of in the middle of the show to make room for Brock Lesnar and Undertaker. How do you feel about that? Sometimes a given match. The old school me would said the world champion goes out at the end of the night every night, period. Right. Through seeing the evolution of the business and things getting switched around and 
and having so many matches on a card and all these different variables that are out there, sometimes a match is bigger than the world title. If it's a personal angle, I would have said when the streak was going, the Undertaker streak, it was thought of as the main event more than whoever was in the world title match. I think the streak was more important than that. Just myself. Right. I thought I thought that's how strong the streak was. Uh, after he lost it, they lost some of the luster. But I think you got to look at who had the most heat, you know, who was selling tickets, who was driving, you know, who was going to drive that pay-per-view, what would get the most out of the promotion, what is the feature thing that you're going to say as our main event? Because on any given night, as loaded with talent as they were and they are, you could have any any of three or four matches which were qualified for the main event. Just depends. So I, I don't agree that this match went on too early. All right, next up, we've got a three-way it's an elimination match between three teams of three women each. Team PCB is Paige, Charlotte, and Becky Lynch, and they're going to pick up a win over Team Bella, which is the Bella Twins and Alicia Fox. And, of course, Team Bad, which is Naomi, Sasha Banks, and Tamina Snuka. It's an elimination match that's in a really bad spot after you had such a phenomenal match with, uh, with John Cena and Seth Rollins. They go 15 minutes and 17 seconds. Uh, it actually gets three stars. Uh, but Meltzer says, uh, Bree and Lynch traded elbows like it was a Japanese match. Bree missed a missile drop kick and Lynch pinned her with the pump handle slam. It made no sense here to have someone pin Nikki to set up a title shot, but they really are just playing my turn, your turn booking three stars. Of course, we know Becky Lynch is going to go on to become the man and one of the biggest stars in WWE history, but in this era, uh, Nikki was, was one of the flag bearers for this division. And I think underrated you and I have talked about, you know, her forearm shots, man, those shits were legit three stars here. You know, this was right after the whole give divas a chance thing. And they did 15 minutes here on a big pay-per-view. What'd you think of this one? I think if you had it in a different spot on the mat, on the card, if it would have been second, it would have been rated higher. Probably uh, that was a bad spot coming in behind the match that they just were following. Had a lot of drama in there. You had a lot of ramifications there. Um, you had some girls on every team that could really perform. And, and I'm sure, you know, they all did did perform. Um, I just think it was bad spot on the on the card and Everything I, I think they did was probably better than they got credit for. Three stars is pretty good, though, you know, to go back. And I'm sure that everyone was, other than the story they were telling, it was probably just about the work rate. I love the match. You know, I think it's uh, it's cool to see women featured like this. Of course, now it's become a bigger part and more regular part of WWE programming. But this feels like one of the first major moments. And next up, it's a major moment for Cesaro. Uh, this is the era where fans were really behind Cesaro as a singles competitor, and he's taking on Kevin Owens, who is fresh off of a feud with John Cena, and they're working late in the show and getting plenty of time. 14 minutes and 16 seconds. 
It's a technically great match, but Meltzer says by this time, the crowd only wanted the main event. And I guess I could see that the, the show was running long. I mean, you had pre-show stuff and now you've got a four hour pay-per-view, but these are two of my very favorite performers. I love the work they do. Uh, Cesaro really got over the uh, giant swing. Uh, the pop-up power bomb was a bona fide finisher. Thanks to Kevin Owens beating John Cena with it. Uh, it's a cool deal to see these two get so much time. Of course, Kevin Owens gets the win 14 minutes and 16 seconds. Meltzer says the timing was right for Cesaro to win because the crowd is giving him momentum, but they've beaten Owen so many times because of Cena and Orton being top guys and Balor being NXT champ that it was his turn three and three quarter stars. what do you think? Well, you know, I'm a fan of Cesaro, but I think everybody in that arena knew he was there to do the favor. He was there to put a shot back in Kevin's butt. Uh, it's just a, it's just a shame that you know Cesaro hadn't been treated better because he is a spectacular performer. Uh, Kevin, again, I think if you go back to the trilogy of of Kevin with with John Cena, uh, Kevin should have probably won all three of those matches after seeing what I saw. The first match, which was him doing some really dominant stuff and going over. Uh, I think if I check my you know record books, he lost the next two, correct? I think so. Yeah, I think so. I think that's right, which hurt him. You know, he should have, if you're, you know, they cheered the guy like an enormous baby face. And maybe that was partially because he was with John. Um, but you should have taken what, what you saw and just, you know, like I said, put the hammer down on it and go with the guy. Uh, physically, these guys had to have a tremendous match. I'm sure it was, again, got to remember, think of the longest movie you've ever seen and sat through. For me, I go back and I use as a, as a guide, um, Dances with Wolves was an awesome movie. But it was like three hours and 20 minutes. If you're sitting in the theater at about that two-minute and 15 mark, you've had enough. And I got a feeling at this point in the night, they are so late, so deep into that four-hour show, people were just getting tired. And they wanted to see Taker and... uh Lesnar, obviously, and I think those guys just fell victim of that. If there was a, uh, if there was a bit of a lull or just a little bit of the people, you know, okay, looking at their watches, going, damn, we've been here a long time. Because you got to remember, they all got there a minimum of probably an hour before the show. So now we're going into the fifth hour, and if you got there earlier than that, it's even more time. People get audiences get tired. And sometimes the uh, reaction you get on a match is based on how tired the crowd is. I think that might have had an effect on this particular match. But I'm sure for guys like you and I, Conrad, that are just sitting there watching the quality instead of listening to the pops, we would have loved it. Savewithconrad.com makes saving money fast and easy. Don't take my word for it. Just ask Justin in Ashland, Kentucky. He said... 
very personable, always available. Derek was great and always there when I had questions. Plus, I saved a bunch of money compared to my previous loan, five stars. Tyson in Long Beach, California says, Save with Conrad was great. Give Derek a raise. Matthew in Richmond, Pennsylvania says, SaveWithConrad.com was very easy to work with, trustworthy, friendly, and responsive. Michael in Brunswick, Ohio says, SaveWithConrad.com was very responsive. Everything was smooth, no hassle, no BS. Linda in Connecticut left a five-star review and said, we're going to save her more than $75,000. But how much can you save? Find out right now for free at SaveWithConrad.com. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. And if we can't save you some cash, we won't waste your time at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? Make it happen for your family right now at SaveWithConrad.com. Let's get to our main event. It's Undertaker Brock Lesnar. As a reminder, at WrestleMania 30, Lesnar ends the streak. Uh, that, of course, was in 2014. We're in 2015 now. Lesnar would go on to defeat John Cena at SummerSlam that prior year and win the world title, but he loses it the following year, earlier this year, at WrestleMania 31. He's taken on Roman Reigns, but Seth Rollins cashes in and steals the championship. Lesnar gets a rematch with Rollins at Battleground. He's closing in on the win, but randomly, The Undertaker returns and avenges his loss to Lesnar, causing Lesnar to lose by DQ and not win the championship. I guess he won by DQ, but he didn't win the title. And now, here we go. We've got our rematch from WrestleMania 30, what, a year and a half later. And this is The Undertaker's first SummerSlam match since 2008 and his first pay-per-view match outside of WrestleMania since Bragging Rights 2010. So it's a big deal. They get 17 minutes and nine seconds, and they're pushing on commentary at the start of the show that Lesnar hasn't lost a match in two and a half years. Meltzer would write, and he's by far the most over guy in the promotion. While that isn't the only reason, that is quite the amazing coincidence. I just love the way Dave can't help but spike the ball on that, but that's true. I mean, you said it earlier in this show, nobody wants an eight and eight football team. You know, they may be suffering through it if they live there locally, but nationally if you want people to get behind a team they got to go on a hot streak and certainly lesnar's on one here having not lost a match in two and a half years uh, Meltzer would say the crowd didn't boo either guy or really even choose a favorite uh, this is quite the performance they're pulling out all the stops um there's some fun moments in here where they're staring at each other and i don't know man i don't know that i would have ever guessed that they would have this type of match but it's a four-star match and just tremendous. Uh, eventually, Undertaker gives him a low blow from behind, puts him in the go-go plata. Lesnar flips Undertaker off while he's in the hold, but then he passes out and the match is stopped. And after the match, they show a replay, which shows the Undertaker tapped out and they're pushing it that the first time the Undertaker had ever tapped out. And uh, Meltzer would say this was tons better than their WrestleMania match. And at the end, Paul Heyman was screaming no while everyone was chanting yes. So I guess the undertaker was the favorite. Dave says Heyman screamed that everyone knew that Lesnar really won the match by submission undertaker collapsed backstage was not hospitalized, but he did fly home after the show and didn't appear on raw, which was originally scheduled according to Dave, but four stars. And with this win undertaker becomes the first man to have 10 wins at SummerSlam. What a performance here. I mean, crazy good stuff. 
what do you think about this one? I mean, they're bleeding all over the places. There's German suplexes. There's F5 on announcers' tables. We're doing leg drops on the apron. It's quite a spectacle. I think that uh, Undertaker, more than anybody in the industry, looks at his performance every single night. And no matter how good it is, even if it's perfect and sees it, that it couldn't have been a little bit better. And he's one of those guys, the ring, the reason he's so respected is he self-analyzes every performance. He works as hard as any man alive to get ready for a match on his own time. Um, He puts thought into what the history of the match is, what has happened before that, that match so that he can somehow tie that into a story. I think Lesnar is one of those rare beasts that only come along every, every 15, 20 years, even if that, and he's just, just an animal. And for those guys to go out and give up their body like they do for a match like this, is to be commended for everybody involved, to be respected by every piece of talent that's sitting there watching it. And it's just one of those things that it's as real as anything can possibly be short to short of a, of a knife fight in a bar fight setting being completely legitimate. I mean, these guys pound each other, beat each other, bump each other, slug each other. Everything is so close to the vest that it's just its one of those rare opportunities that you see in this business that is as close to being 100% real as it can possibly be. So my hat's off to both of them. What an effort. You know, the fans are the recipients, and uh, it's just an incredible performance and a hell of a way to cap off the night. I think it's just outstanding. I think when people look back at The Undertaker's body of work and they talk about some of his last great matches, this is going to be right up there. I mean, this had, you know, you go back in time and you look back in the late eighties and early nineties, whenever Mike Tyson had a fight, it was happening. I mean, America was talking about it for the week leading up to it. And certainly the day of, and it had, for lack of a better phrase, that same sort of big fight feel. And you felt like you were watching something special and you certainly were when it was over and the fans agreed because when it came to the wrestling observer reader poll they gave the show an overwhelming thumbs up 78.1 percent thumbs up 3.6 percent thumbs down 18.3 percent thumbs in the middle some really strong performances kevin owens and cesaro got 23 best match votes undertaker and brock lesnar got 34 seth rollins and john cena got 153 so even though fans especially the quote-unquote smart fans don't like john cena and say he's not talented and he's got five moves to doom and he sucks and blah, blah, blah. Old big batch. John here steals the show again. This was a great SummerSlam. Wouldn't you agree? Absolutely. Absolutely. The only down, the only thumbs down, I would say is it's just a little too long. Yeah, I would agree with that. I think we all agree that three hours is the sweet spot. If we want to get real particular two hours and 50 minutes, like we all grew up on. You know, something I want to mention to you, Aaron, I know this sounds silly and Lord, everybody thinks me and you are shilling for AEW. I know you technically work there, but I don't, 
but I do really enjoy that they still have pay-per-views. And I know that sounds silly, but I think we have conditioned wrestling fans now to where WWE pay-per-views feel a little less special because they're all just included with your network subscription. Of course, I'm not talking about SummerSlam or WrestleMania or Royal Rumble, but the other ones. But I do feel like when you have to plop down in front of your TV at a certain time and you have to click a certain button and commit to spending 30 or 40 or $50 or whatever it is on a pay-per-view, you feel like you're more invested with the idea that if something is expensive, it's valuable. And well, if something's free, then it's worthless. And I'm not saying the WWE shows are free or worthless at all, but I am saying traditional pay-per-view makes you feel like it's more of an appointment. And I wonder if we've maybe lost some of that since it's all on the network now, and we don't have to hit sort of hard time windows. We don't have a quote unquote hard out for satellite time. Like maybe we used to, if they want to change something on the fly and go a little longer, they can. Does that make any sense to you that maybe traditional pay-per-view? Because I think a lot of people thought, well, WWE has killed pay-per-view now. No one in wrestling, no wrestling fan will pay 30 or 40 or $50 for a show now because everything's just $10 a month. But AEW continues to sell pay-per-views. And, and weirdly, I kind of like that. It makes it feel more like appointment television. It makes it feel bigger. Like we talked about with Mike Tyson a few moments ago, it has more of a big fight feel. Do you think some of that has been lost because of the network? The only thing you can do, and it is the responsibility of the given company to do, to take a little bit of the sting out of paying whatever you pay for a, a, a pay-per-view prescription. Just give the audience something on that show that they're never going to get on the, the normal television show. That's your only obligation. That's the only thing you need to do to make it special and just keep that precedent. Hold something back that they're not going to see on a normal Wednesday night for AEW. They have to pay that to get the pay-per-view, but if it's special enough, I don't think there's any problems because you also, throughout the body of that show, you try to make that show you know, as clean and as good and as you possibly can and have some other stories on that pay-per-view event. But the main thing is something goes there that they're not going to see anywhere else. As long as you do that, I think we're good to go. Well, listen, I enjoyed visiting SummerSlam 2015 for you or with you today. I thought it was a great show. I uh, It was fun to go back and watch it. It doesn't feel like it was just five years ago. It feels like it was just a couple days ago, but then we talk about that Hulk Hogan story and that one in particular feels like it was forever ago. And I don't know, man, it's just one of those things that reminds you, especially when we go back and we talk about stuff that was 30 years ago that you and I remember so vividly and then stuff five years ago, sometimes still just runs together for us. Let's, uh, let's make the most of this, this moment we've got right now and enjoy all the good stuff that we're enjoying right now. Cause I think back in 2015 fans were we're still sort of burnt out on WWE and questioning the booking and saying, oh, coulda, woulda, shoulda. But goodness gracious, this was a great show in a vacuum. And, and I, I enjoyed watching it again this week to prep for this show. And we hope you guys dug it as well. And we'll be back next week with more Ask Arn Anything. We have so much fun with this. And if you'd like to participate, it's easy. You can ask your question on Twitter for free over at the Arn Show. Uh, and we also want to remind you, you can get all these shows early and ad-free over at adfreeshows.com. And Arn, I don't know if you've been paying attention to everything we've got going on over there, but recently we've done some outside of the box stuff. And I want to take your temperature live on the show with everybody listening. Normally we would talk about this stuff off air, 
So I'm putting you on the spot here and I'm going to ask you some questions. Are you ready? Shoot. Okay. We did a thing called ask Megan anything and listeners to our shows got to ask my wife a whole bunch of questions. Evan compiled them and Megan answered them. And Eric thought that was fun enough that believe it or not, Lori Bischoff didn't ask Lori anything. And I can't believe this is real, but Lois Shivani has now done an ask Lois anything. We've had three back-to-back episodes where our wives did the answering and we've had people clamoring for Mrs. Anderson to answer some questions. Do you think Aaron might be up for a little ask Aaron anything? Absolutely not. <laughs> She's not- Cause she'll tell the truth and she'll put the, she'll put the boots to me and no one will ever look at me the same again. Yeah. I had a feeling you were going to say that. Okay. Let me try this one on. What about this? What would, we got Eric together and we played some shoot interview clips where guys over the last 25 years have taken turns, taking a dump on Eric Bischoff. And when I would play the clip and then he would get to respond and just hit him with both barrels. And that sounded fun enough. He did it another time. And then Jr. got a little jealous that everybody else was getting to get the heat on the show and he didn't get to. So we had a Jr. fires back and believe it or not, old sourpuss Tony Schiavone even did a Tony fires back and boy, he went double barrel after a few folks. And I've actually got some clips together where I can't believe it. I had to search high and low. So people had some not so nice things to say about you. Would you be up for an Arn fires back episode one day on adfreeshows.com? Well, sure. These are, these are talent. These are, yeah, these are, who ta- are these people. These are talent. For instance, Greg Gagne says that he created the NWO and he signed Hulk Hogan and he got nitro and, and he got you guys the Disney deal. Eric Bischoff just stole all of his ideas and then fired him. Of course. Well, you got to listen to the show at adfreeshows.com to hear Eric's response, but let me just say there was some hooting and hollering involved, et cetera, et cetera. But apparently over the years. I can't believe this. Cause you're like the nicest guy I've met in wrestling. People had some pretty controversial things to say about you. And I think you'd have fun with that. What say you, can we do our iron fires back for adfreeshows.com? Well, sure. Oh, look out boys and girls. If you know one thing about Arn Anderson, it's, it's, he knows how to cut a promo and you're going to hear it first and ad free over at adfreeshows.com. Stay tuned to next week. Don't forget. It's hashtag ask Arn anything. We'll be back. Until next time, he's Arn Anderson, I'm Conrad Thompson, and we are out of time. Get your Arn gear at ArnShirts.com and check out BoxaGimmicks.com, the official store of the Arn Show, where you can find gimmicks for the Arn fan in your life. New items added weekly. There's no better time to say I love you, and the most hated jeweler in America is at it again. You've heard us say I hate Stevensinger.com, and you've heard us rave about his famous roses. But Steven Singer has been selling diamonds and bridal jewelry for four decades. Whether you have someone or something to celebrate, Steven is there for you. Ready to take the next step? Steven has a ready-for-love engagement ring collection that is no hassle, no risk, expertly picked engagement rings that are ready to go. Don't worry, Steven won't let you mess this up. He's been selling online for over two decades, but he's recently kicked everything up a notch to better service friends and guests online. He has real expert jewelers on call to help you find the perfect ring or gift through new virtual video appointments, calls, texts, chats, or emails, all with extended hours. On top of that, he offers the best guarantee in the business with a full 100-day, 100% money-back guarantee and free shipping. Interest-free financing is available online, too, 
And that's just the beginning gifts that say, I love you every single day, backed with decades of experience in the comfort of your own home. It's easy. Just go to, I hate fast, free and safe shipping. Steven singer jewelers. That's I hate Steven singer.com. Hello. Yes. Good morning. Uh, is this Daniel? This is. Hey Daniel, this is Dave Silva. I'm calling with save with Conrad. How are you? My friend. Good. How are you doing? I've been telling you for a long time that SaveWithConrad.com can save you money, but don't take my word for it. So what made you come to Save With Conrad in the first place? Uh, I've heard the commercials a few times and uh, was looking to refinance anyway from a 30-year down to a 15-year. Ended up being a really good uh, good money saver. Had gotten some quotes from some other lenders and, um, you know, Conrad and the guys over there just you know, made the process so, so easy. Very cool. How was it working with Steven and the team? It was real, real easy. I mean, uh, the first time that I did my mortgage, um, there was all kinds of hoops and I had to chase down the, the guy that I was working with. Um, but with you guys, it was no problem whatsoever. I could call, I could email, um, but there really wasn't any need to. It was quick and seamless. Wonderful. Is there any way or anything that we can do to improve the process in the future? But honestly, it, it, it was so like, and I'm, it almost seems like it was too easy. <laughs> but do you do you know how much money we were able to save you on your refinance? Yeah, it, it was close to, if not over, a hundred thousand dollars. Wonderful. So what are you waiting for? Find out how much money you can save right now for free. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. Even credit scores in the 500s can be approved. And if we can't save you money, we won't waste your time. But because we're licensed in more than 40 states, we can help more families than ever before. Find out how much money you can save right now for free at SaveWithConrad.com. Oh, and did I mention you could skip your next two house payments? Hurry to SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lenders. Woo! Check it out. Here's a clip from adfreeshows.com that you can't hear anywhere else. Yeah, fuck him. I'm going to uh I'm going to stand on the side of AJ Styles and the good bros. Uh anybody that knows anything in the business knows he's a piece of shit and a worker and a conniver and his head's as big as a melon. So what are you waiting for? Head on over to adfreeshows.com right now. It's hard to beat adfreeshows.com. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on a sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.